to a weekly dinner party where we watch and discuss an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. This week we watch Relit Bay, <laughs> which first aired June. Really? Uh, really? really? Uh, which first aired June thirteenth, two thousand thirteen. I'm your host Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd with no prior French knowledge. Let's go around the table <laughs> to introduce the rest of the party. Hi, I'm Celeste. I'm an artist, and I'm very much new to Hannibal. What's up? <laughs> Hi, I'm JJ. I'm a local filmmaker, a local nerd, and the fanable of the three. So this episode sees us learn about the true danger of Combs, why you shouldn't be friends with Will Graham, and <laughs> Will can somehow afford first-class seats on a plane with I know, a special agent salary. Like, they were sitting in business class, I think. Probably. I'll, I'll justify it that way. Yeah. But anyway, what was your first impressions of this episode, Celeste? Or she's taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> My gosh, this episode was great. Mm-hmm. I really like this episode. It was like a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's a copycat? Like, is it this person or this person? I know, I just really liked it. <laughs> well, one thing I've noticed since we started rewatching it, too, is that you never, you're never certain if Will is right. Like, I put in my notes for later, but you're never certain if Will's point of view is the true one. Like, when he, like, there's a bit at the end, which we'll get to later, but there's a bit at the end where he puts Abigail through the antlers, Mm. and then it cuts back to her, like, saying, like, something's wrong with you. I'm like, which one's the true one, though? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that scared me. Yeah, I was like, what's going on? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I felt so nervous during that whole scene. Yeah, because I thought it was real the first time I saw it. I was like, ah, and then Abigail's, like, beside him, and... It was all good. <laughs> but again, I was like, do we know for certain that's her for real or some, like, manifestation of his craziness? <laughs> Don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but, um, so I think, uh, speaking of Will, I think Georgia has a crush on Will. But again, who wouldn't? I think because he's, like, happy <laughs> to see true. him and she was <laughs> under his bed at once. And, um, and also, um, my, my, uh, my mentor in university psychology was a social psychologist, and she told me that touching your hair is a social cue, cue that you're attracted to somebody. So she was touching her hair all crazily in that scene. So it's pretty <laughs> cute. But I, like she was looking adorable and just smiling at him. I'm like, well, she, you know, she got an unexpected compliment. That's all. I, I still see it pretty platonically. It was so sweet. It was sweet. Yeah, yeah. but it's just like, you're pretty. Yeah, of course, yeah, like, of course. Oh, you'll thank you. Be like, oh, yeah. When I'm not covered <laughs> in shit and blood, of course I'm pretty. <laughs> oh, can I talk about the food in the beginning? Yes, go ahead. Do my my accent. Oh, that soup or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a silky chicken in a broth, a black bone bird, prized in China for its medicinal value since the seventh century. Wolfberries, ginseng, ginger, red dates, and star anise. You made me chicken soup. Pause. Glance. <laughs> Yes. Thanks for reducing my fancy soup. <laughs> I love that scene. Just his face. Like, you like, say, like, all these fancy words with like, all these cool ingredients, and he's like, and he just, like, symbolize it. Just like, oh, you made a chicken noodle soup. Yeah. Like, well, any idiot could call it that well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I didn't just make you soup, okay? I made like, you the soup. This took six hours. This will cure you. <laughs> Um, took hundreds of dollars to <laughs> import it over here. I wouldn't be surprised if it was market. like a $100 soup. <laughs> but uh, I was really, in, like, this whole episode, I was looking up medical terms because I got really, really interested in what they were talking about. So uh, Georgia is tells Will that she's going to have to go undergo shock therapy 
So I was looking it up because I, I had heard that um, Carrie Fisher had gone through a two to treat her bipolar disorder. Mm. So electroconvulsive therapy is the last line of intervention for depressive disorders, mania, and catatonia. Is it still? Uh, yep. Yeah, mm. The final thing that they can help you with. Mm. So it's like, it's obvious that, well, other than her killing a bunch of people, it's obvious that she has a lot of mental disorders. So. <laughs> the healthy, semi-healthy way. <laughs> but a round of ECT is effective for about 50% of patients, but they usually relapse after a year. Adverse side effects include confusion and memory loss shortly after application. It works in the short term by its anti-convulsive effect in the frontal lobe and long term via neurotropic effects in the temporal lobe. Also, back to the soup. The third cup Hannibal pulls out to use the cover of the thermos was adorable to me for some reason. It's like, oh, I want to put this away, but not yet, so I want to keep it warm. I don't know why that was adorable to me when he's like, he puts out three cups, and I'm like, who's the third cup for? And he's like, puts it in the thermos. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. I don't know why, but it was cute. Would you guys eat that soup? And not with the chicken on the bone. Ugh, it's just, I don't know. I'm a very picky eater, and seeing it like, like just the black in there, I like. I probably won't eat it. <laughs> honestly. Well, the chicken was the part that got me because I was looking at it, and the chicken skin was black, and I was like, "Is that from the cooking or from the natural bird? I don't know." What no said? It's a black bone bird. So. I thought they meant the bone was black. <laughs> well, maybe the bird bird's black too. I don't know. We <laughs> should look it up. Yeah, what's a silky chicken? I'll look up what a silky oh, chicken is. Awesome. Um, so I can't remember who said this in the episode, but I think it was Hannibal. Nothing is more isolating than mental illness. Ain't that the truth? I know, and I love that Will stopped eating as soon as he said that and did the, like, oh, we're back to this. Because <laughs> as I mentioned before, it becomes a dirty word for Will. It's like, yeah. oh, it's like I don't have it. Especially as the episode goes on, like uh, when things start to really hit the fan, as it were. Um, but I, I really like how they place so much, what's the word, gravity on Will having a fever. Because a lot of people are like, ooh, babies get fevers. Like, that's not a bad thing. But fevers can actually be really, really dangerous. Um, mm. Because if you get to a high enough body temperature, a fever will start to change the structure of your proteins, preventing them from binding the way that they should. So you start, like, dying, basically. Oh. And so <laughs> this is basically a memory from my intro biology class that I took in university about eight years ago. But that's the stuff that sticks with me. It's like, so that's why it's bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I just had to look that up. I'm like, ah, cool. Yeah, I've never really looked into it before. That's really fascinating. Yeah, it's more dangerous for kids, obviously, because, mm -hmm. like, they can't regulate their temperature and stuff. But did you find the chicken thing? Yeah, I did. Oh, and I have to... I have to, okay, I have to use the big computer so I can show you guys. It's just, that's actually what I was laughing at. It's a funny was, looking bird. It is. It's actually really cute. I almost wish we didn't eat it. Oh, Silky chicken. <laughs> Look at that fuzzy yeah. guy. Oh, man. Do, you know the, oh. do you remember the birds from, uh, from uh, Legend of Zelda uh, uh, Twilight Princess? That's what they look like. The cuckoos. <laughs> like the ones. That's what they look like. Oh, then there's the meat. And the meat picture. Whoops. Oh, so it is black. black. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe it's. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really sad that you showed us this really cute. And, <laughs> and, this bird and, and then showed it. Sorry. Oh, look! Someone even colored them. In this one. Oh, can I open it? So it looks like a they little. Like well, they look like Easter eggs. Head. But anyway. They're like a Pokemon. Oh, there we go. There. See. <laughs> so, cute. so apparently, silken chicken is really good. <laughs> And really cute. And really cute. <laughs> it's like, no wonder they're not common. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can't kill that cute face. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but my favorite shot of the the episode was the shot from the hospital bed of Will and Will and Hannibal. Mm. It's like a third unseen person is there. That's why I was like, why are they putting out a third cup? Oh, it's for the thermos. Yeah, but I, it's like I, yeah. <laughs> but I like that it's um, what was it? Uh, it's like we're we're considered a part of their 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 conversation too. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Like it was our point of view. Yeah, it's one of those things that kind of pulled me out of the story on a technical basis because I saw that shot and I was like, ooh, oh, they must be using a long lens behind the bed because the bed's just at the foot of the frame. <laughs> so I started mumbling technical film stuff. I'm just like, hey. I like ah, that's good. All right, cool. I, like that. I see what you did there, director yeah. of photography. <laughs> but I also got really interested in, um, in Georgia's oxygen uh, tank, not just because it's what kills her, but it's also um, something I thought was just like a, a pseudoscience thing in the past, because there's that joke on The Simpsons where um, Homer's being harassed because he um, suppo- he allegedly sexually assaulted a girl by grabbing her ass, right. but he's really trying to grab a gummy bear that attached oh, to her yeah, butt. I remember right. that and so there's a scene where the uh, the tabloids come by his bathroom window while he's showering, and like they have a helicopter, and so he starts frantically try to cover it his nakedness <laughs> and he has a clear shower curtain that falls on him and he knocks himself out and the headline on the on the paper is the next day it's like Homer sleeps nude in an oxygen tank which he thinks gives him sexual power <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually a legit like treatment for things like other than like the bends and stuff like that but so hyperbaric medicine is a medical treatment in which an ambient pressure greater than sea level atmospheric pressure is a necessary component so in George's case, they use hyperbaric oxygen, uh, where the oxygen ambient pressure of the oxygen is higher than atmospheric pressure, and it's used in treatments such as gas gangrene, skin grafts, and flesh-eating disease. Hmm. So, and so in a pure oxygen environment, only a spark is needed to ignite the gas. So this is why you see those signs that say "no open flame" near rooms where oxygen tanks are used. So I see. So it's like pretty cool to see the. Sp- the staticky thing happened that killed her. Mm. That was like a really painful way to go, though. Was, yeah, it was so true. I, I like, I watched it and I literally like whispered, like, holy shit. <laughs> 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 During, like the scene. And the thing too is like she probably breathed in the flame too. So I'm like, oh, what a terrible way to go. I'm, oh, I'm, really I'm kind of like hoping like she went into shock at least maybe yeah, five or, or ten him. seconds into it. Yeah. So and she, then so only maybe ten seconds of agony before she went into shock. But that was a Fingers long crossed. ten seconds. <laughs> that Fingers is crossed. a long ten seconds. Uh, but one thing I didn't like about the scene with George's burnt body was that a body would have curled in on itself as it burned. Uh, the reason I know this is because a standard way to check if a person was killed before a fire was set is seeing if their body curled. So there's an episode of Forensic Files where um, they found out that the fire was set before the murder because the body had been tied up beforehand, and the way it had been tied up prevented the body from curling in on itself. So everybody's like, ooh, it was arson, other than the fact that there was gas all over the place. Like, what do you mean curl? Like, like... Curl, curl in itself like a like fetal fetal position. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, you'll see that a lot in um, in like cases of arson where like if somebody has their hands tied behind their back or if they're dead beforehand, like they will, they'll already have symptoms of rigor mortis and they won't do that because like tendons yeah. cook it and like curl it in. So it's like. So her lying flat on her back when. Uh no, she'd curl in. She'd mm. be like uh, and lie on her side, and she seemed to be lying pretty flat in the morgue. Unless maybe that's just one of the It's few... an artistic thing, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe it's just for, like, the, one of the things Simplicity. they didn't research. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, they'll get it. She's dead. Well, I like 
we all know. Um, with like the like, what is that called again? The uh, the oxygen chamber. Yes, I just watched Deadpool like oh. first time recently, like a couple days ago, and a similar scene happened where somebody oh. died in a chamber. Yes. Do you have guys? I've seen Deadpool. I saw Deadpool, but I don't remember that. Let me look that up. Yeah, except you know he's he's the one who like he like I think he took out a match and he like delighted himself so he could escape. <laughs> and so like see, oh that's right, and he's the reason that there's a the fire in the yeah. whole scene. That's right. Okay. Oh, okay. I was like, huh, I'm not. I, just, I usually like, just skip ahead to when he's Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Netflix. So I just it's one of those fast forward movies for me, unfortunately. I would, Let's skip backstory. Skip backstory. Let's get to the movie. Yay! I was super really surprised by Deadpool because um, when you when a movie ten minutes in starts with a girl pegging a, a straight man in a, in a like a heteronormative superhero movie designed for like thirteen to eighteen year old guys, I was like, yeah, this is not gonna be the standard movie that I thought it was. And I was like, yes. What was it? Happy International Women's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but what I did like is he went. No, no, no. And then I'm like, there, see, you, you at least tried it. I knew you didn't like it, so. But he was probably kids, too, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's like, but that was my favorite part of it. I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to like this movie now. <laughs> so, um, and just to add, to, um, a wireless anti-static bracelet would not have worked. Because it's not gra- it doesn't have a grounding wire, so just the bracelet wouldn't have worked. So she probably had a grounding wire in the gurney, in the oxygen tank. I researched this in case you couldn't tell, because I was really curious. Well, when he picks it up, it's like all curled in on itself, yeah, so it's like it probably bracelet. did. It probably melted, yeah. yeah. Or her hair melted into it. No, that was a comb. That was what melted it. Yeah. But yeah, like I just had to look that up, because I was like, anti-static bracelet, I need one. <laughs> <laughs> I like this episode. We're talking lots about like medical stuff and forensic stuff, so this is... <laughs> oh yeah we're actually sticking to like the cop part investigation <laughs> part of the show well, it's, it's like so gets nothing half the time yeah like this part is so fascinating to me because like um i we all learned something today <laughs> which will help us in our later serial killings no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them that <laughs> well did i ever mention on the show like the difference between male serial killers and female serial killers Males will kill strangers. Uh, females will kill people they know. So. Bouncing <laughs> <laughs> well, around the room. <laughs> like, everybody's just like, like nastily looking at each other. But, when, um, but it makes me uh, giggle about that because I think it has a lot to do with socialization. Like uh, men are always encouraged to be like the lone wolves and like take care of themselves, blah, blah, blah. Women are encouraged to take care of like uh, their families and stuff. So I could see why that would be more, uh, what you call it, be, be more of a pattern between female and male serial killers. Even though I think uh, Laura, Eileen Buenos was the only one that broke that pattern. More male Nah. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, in answer to a question I asked a few episodes back, the camera technique that makes human movement so creepy in George's case is called undercranking. Mm. You do it by filming your subject at a slower frame rate so that the action is sped up when it's played back. So I think that's 48 frames per second? Uh, no, 12. Of uh, 12 frames you film it at and play it back at 24 and it looks weird. Yeah. Okay, I get mixed up everything. <laughs> 48 is slow motion, 12 is uh, quicker. 
That's fascinating. Yeah, it's really creepy. Yeah, it was really creepy. Yeah, because she's like, um, she's moving as a normal human being, but because it's filmed so quickly, it's mm-hmm. like, mm, 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 like, and like the noise it made too during her scene was also like, <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it was also creepy. I, I do love that whole dream sequence. Yeah, where it's like, because she says "see," and that's is it the second or third time we hear that? I think that's the third time. It's the third time. So, but it also see. it also for um, shows up again later when he quote-unquote kills Abigail because she dies the same way that um, that uh, Georgia dies in this in that dream like mm-hmm. she gets impaled on the on the antlers mm-hmm. so it's pretty cool and I like it's the return of the raven stag <laughs> Will's mind poking at him he knows but doesn't want to see yeah it's the raven stag him trying to tell himself like something's wrong <laughs> I think so. you know what I think Will has always known that it's Hannibal mm-hmm but because, you know, Hannibal's his friend, the air quotes friend. He didn't want him to be? Yeah, like... But he's in denial. Yeah, I think he's in, yeah, in a type of denial, and this is his subconscious telling him, you know who's behind this, and he's, you know, through the whole episode, you see the cogs turning, he's pinpointing stuff. No, this is this. It was the copycat. Like, he's finally realizing the copycat did all these other kills, and he realized, oh shit, the copycat's trying to frame me. And the, co- you know? the copycat knows stuff about this that only yeah, people and you that know, I like, don't so know. So he's putting it together, so, like consciously when he's talking to people, he's consciously putting it together. But in the dream, you can see that he does know. It's just, you know, pokey pokey. <laughs> thanks, to, thanks to Brian Fuller and all his metaphors. <laughs> it's like, come on, figure it out. It's like, okay, not to mention The Simpsons again, but it's that episode of uh, when Mr. Burns gets shot and... Uh, Wiggum is having a dream of Lisa mm. in that red room like, from Twin Peaks, and he's yeah. like, um, Chief Wiggum, look, and she shows him a burning plane, yeah. but Burns' is suit, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> look at Burns' is suit, God! Yes. <laughs> so I just love that. <laughs> he's like trying to make it all metaphor and she just gives up. <laughs> But um, I also, I mentioned the book in, the, in a past episode, but I totally forgot that they mentioned it in this episode. Um, Freddie mentions the last victim by Jason Moss, who sent a bunch of fan mail to serial killers for his undergrad degree. Uh, I think I spoke about it. I, I mentioned it probably. I don't know if you mentioned him specifically. You just yeah. said grad students have done it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the book that uh, Freddie was speaking about was that one. And uh, Jason, the author, ended up developing a relationship with John Wayne Gacy, who manipulated him from prison. And hence the, hence the title of The Last Victim. There's a bit in the story where, I have read the book, and there's a bit in the story where Gacy actually gets um, Jason alone in prison, mm. which I don't believe happened because the only two witnesses, one is dead and one is, well, no, they're both dead now. But, uh, <laughs> but it seemed like too much because I'm like, even if Gacy had Paul in prison, he would not be able to be alone with him. Like, they're so strict about... Um, no, you can. If you have, yeah. if you have Paul in prison... You can get alone. That's how rapes happen. Well, uh, check. That's uh, how beatings happen. That's well, how murders happen. Well, that's how Dahmer died, but still. But no, I'm just saying, like, it is possible. It you is just, possible, you, but... He probably had to put in all his chips to get it, though. Yeah, but it seemed, cause it still seemed kind of, you know, it seemed too good to be true, if that, uh, that doesn't sound too terrible. Because, like, it, um, like, Gacy basically attacks him. Like, it, it doesn't get too far, but still, it's like, he keeps trying to get him to, like, perform fellatio on him and all this other stuff. And I was like, I don't know if I want to believe that this happened because it seemed kind of like too perfect for the story. I don't know. If you if you uh, have a read of it, it was a really good read. Um, but my favorite bit about that book was finding out that Charles Manson will send people letters written on the back of other letters. Yeah. He's a crazy guy, yeah. yeah. 
Oh. What's that book called? Last Victim by Jason Moss. Mm-hmm. So, and Jason Moss did kill himself, but I think it was related to, um, he had a lot of problems, I think. Let me look that up. I looked he up earlier. Yeah, he was, <laughs> but the, he's kind of um, a really, a terrible dick person in the book. Like, the way he presents himself is just really, you don't like him at all. Mm. He was a bit of a tool. To speak ill of the dead, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, he just comes across as, like, really uh, high on himself, so I didn't really like that part. Um, he also killed himself on 6606, so... What's that? Uh, Number of the Beast. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be, like, oh, singing sorry. I, thought, I thought that was code for something else. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, there's some, has been... the If any... This chosen suicide date of 666 has been the subject of speculation. According to his co-author, Moss repeatedly had delved heavily into satanic stuff while researching material to prepare for his correspondence with serial killers and while writing his book. Uh, Shot himself, but no one knows why. So I think it's just because of all the stuff that happened, maybe. I don't know. But poor guy. But the book is really good. Hmm. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, like, we bad things happened. But the book was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like such an ass <laughs> If you're into that sort of thing, read the book. Um, so, when I first watched the show, I knew there was something up with Bedelia when she told um, she told Jack that her, the guy who attacked her swallowed his tongue. Because mm. like, I knew that you can't, because uh, I looked this up when I was a kid because I was afraid of it happening. You can't really swallow your tongue. Yes, there's, you can. There's bits in the mouth that prevent it. I, everything I read said you couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought of that, but that made me suspect her. Because I was like, what's going on with her? There's things like that she seems kind of not telling us. I know she's very... <laughs> I'm just very, supposed to... Like, <laughs> like, I forgot. What's the word for that? It's like sneaky, I guess. Yeah, because she's like... Uh, the way she talks about it makes it seem like something's up. I like how she talks out. <laughs> yeah, she's so always like sultry. Like, oh, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she always talks like she's drunk or sleepy. <laughs> I think I, she's drunk. I think she is drugged. She probably has to be. Drugged? <laughs> yeah. Well, she does drink wine. Well, I'm, well not drugged, but necessarily, she probably is like a little tipsy. I think time. she's yeah, an alcoholic, probably. But then, it, because she knows what she knows about Hannibal, which will hasn't been revealed yet, right? It's coming. But anyway, because what she knows what she knows... She probably has to be sharp. Yeah. That's why she has wine after. <laughs> and Bedelia becomes a bigger presence in season two. Yeah. So, yeah. Ooh, okay. But I do like how uh, we do have a slightly more back and forth about Dr. Lecter and Dr. Mario's past a little bit. Uh, so we get a little bit more feedback on there. Still a mystery, but we learn that there's more to the story. Yeah. And there's a great back and forth between Bedelia and Hannibal about protecting patients. And what I love, and it's so weird, is they speak more, more plain. Not plain, but plainer than they usually do. No metaphors, Fewer, fewer yeah. metaphors. And it's, and it's important because the stakes are higher. Now, now that, you know, the FBI has spoken to oh, yeah. Delia. Yeah. You know, so, like, I like how he's like, she's like, he also asked me about my patient that attacked me. And he's like, he taps the, the, and he pe- pats the couch, like, thinkingly, what did you tell him? You know, like, <laughs> you could just see him doing his calculating thing the whole time. Well, and she was, a, uh, he was a past patient of Hannibal, so it's like, mm-hmm. did she send her, send him intentionally? Yeah. What's going on? 
on in this thing? So uh, obviously me and uh, me and JJ have seen uh, what goes on later, but mm. we, I want to talk about it this like we haven't seen what's going on. So, okay. Like, like that's how I'm, I'm t- doing it so that like I don't spoil it for myself either. <laughs> that makes sense even though it's like I've seen whole Never mind the person who hasn't seen it, so, you know. <laughs> but I like exploring it this way too. Like because um, one of my, I thought I was going to be bored the whole time because I'm like, ooh, anagram, gross. But I was <laughs> like, I ended up finding things that, I, new things that I really like about the show and I think that's um, one of the funnest things about this podcast is because I I'm going to pull am, up my favorite fan art just to spice <laughs> Well, and I love learning more new things about why the show is good. Like, um, a windowing wind. I can't. Sorry, I keep sure, messing. That, that's good. I keep messing up her username. But she sent us uh, a link uh, to uh, a fan thingy. Let me look fan it up. Thingy. Yeah, fan thingy. <laughs> and it's hashtag what Hannibal means. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about maybe us doing a video for it. Probably. Yeah, I don't okay. know. I'm sure. It's a video project in answer to Demore's question at Red Dragon Con 3. What does Hannibal mean to you? Mm. And I think what I, what I what Hannibal means to me... We'll, we'll send this audio clip to her. What Hannibal means to me is it made true crime beautiful to me in a way that it hasn't been done before. Because as I said last episode, everybody has a garbage interest. And true crime has always <laughs> been my garbage interest. No, I, I, yeah, and I think I, it was like it was fascinating before, but now it's... It's art. It's now. art and beautiful, and that's yeah. just scary. Well, and I like that. Like that's what Hannibal means to me. It made true crime an art mm. uh, without belittling victims. Yes, that's a good way to put it. So, but what does Hannibal mean to you, JJ? <laughs> <laughs> In a very perverted way, and just let me finish. Uh, Hannibal represents just this. Um, his person suit, like I said before, he represents everything that I would like to be in real life like I really wish I could be that cold and calculating but I'm not I'm very emotional I'm very feeling very sympathetic you're a empathetic will. and yeah, I'm a will actually I'm more of a will than anything and I want to be a Hannibal uh, I wish I could be I wish I could not care what people say I could still pursue what I want to do but I honestly yeah care about I I care too much <laughs> and I wish I didn't and that's probably what I like about Hannibal and yeah with the whole true crime thing I feel like uh, I learned more about the world. I learned more about myself. I personally think because I took an interest in true crime in, in early in my early teens is why I'm still here today. I really think, in a weird way, true crime saved my life. Wow. There was a couple times where, like, I looked over my shoulder and there was somebody there, and I had to think fast. Mm-hmm. I could I could tell those two stories, but anyway. Uh, so that's what it all means to me. It's just another way of, and like Hannibal makes me appreciate what I like a little bit more and feel less ashamed for liking it. Yeah, for being into murder. Well, yeah. not being into murder. <laughs> <laughs> but how about you, Celeste? What does Hannibal mean to you? Oh, man. This is a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> if we do video, can I just put the bird? <laughs> She's like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not that kind of person. No, I, don't, I don't know. I'm still on this journey on Hannibal. I can't really give like an actual opinion of what he means to me at the show. I, I mean, at least I like, you know... Every Monday I hang out with you guys. Yeah. Like, that's special to me. Hannibal Mondays. Hannibal means friendship. <laughs> there we go. That's what I'll say. Well, I think this would probably be good to send to them, too, because it's like a uh, podcast shout-out. But, yeah, yeah thanks for win- uh, windowing wind for sending that to me. Uh, that was mm-hmm. pretty fun. I'm going to uh, show you fan art just a second. Fan art. Oh, that looks like the, whatchamacallit, um, Jessica Jones poster. 
Oh, I love the colors. Yeah, see, like, uh, some of it's not all trash, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hanagram trash. Most of it is actually very, uh, very nice. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. So a lot of it's just, like, I pick my favorites. Not all of it. <laughs> we got Hanagram. Some of it's actually, oh, like, I love le- that one, yeah. some of it actually is legit. And then we got, you know. Then we got him like the, the anime, like, boyfriends Wait, making out. Hold on, we got film stills. There we go. Sketches. <laughs> I'm it's showing them cute. fan art. Uh, <laughs> well, so know. yeah, so other times like I like photo manips like that that are these are actually gifts but they're not moving right now. Ooh, I haven't learned how to do that. Yeah. Uh, so there's that art piece I posted on Hannibal Sornia Bocci, which is now a Tumblr, and it's uh so Will's talking to Hannibal and he's like blah 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 problems, blah 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 sleepwalking nightmares, blah 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 and Hannibal's <laughs> writing something. And he's like blah 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 um are you listening? And he's scribbling away, scribbling away. Will's all confused. Uh, Dr. Lecter? And Hannibal looks evil while he's scribbling evilly. And then it cuts to what he's doing, and he's drawing a picture of Will looking all coitish and stuff. And he's like, eat me, question mark. (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. Please go on, Will. (laughs) You should probably give a shout-out to the artist. Oh, yeah, who's the artist? Uh, Tenshi Art on Tumblr. Your uh, art style is so cute. I know. I see. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, it's like, eat me. Oh, that is the same artist I just showed oh, you. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> well, shout out to them. Tinshi Art. Okay. But back to the show. Mm. Um, Jimmy Price saying, uh, when they're teasing, uh, when they're teasing Jack about how Jack wants them to investigate in a way that makes leaps in logic that they can't justify with the evidence. And he says, I have been yearning for a return to the fundamentals of investigation. Yeah. That, w- that would be me if I was in forensics. Because I'm like, Probably. I, yeah, I always wanted to be the one that's like, <laughs> make leaps in logic. I want to do that. That's my thing. Like, because um, I've always wanted, like, I, I, I know I said this last episode. I got into Riverdale this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> Between the recording oh, of this yeah, episode. Oh, last episode. You're like, oh, I don't want to watch that. I'll fall down that <laughs> rabbit hole. So it's about... Uh, the show is about Sarah, Cheryl Blossom's uh, brother being murdered, and they still haven't found out who the murder was. So of course, here I am. Like uh, I'm not finished all the episodes that are out yet, but I keep like making all kinds of crackpot theories about who killed Jason Blossom. So I'm like, it's Jughead's yet unseen dog, hot dog. <laughs> it was a dog. <laughs> he was at Sweetwater uh, Canyon when Jason Blossom was killed. It was him. <laughs> But it's uh, a forensics is one of my favorite things, and I think it's just fascinating to me. I was gonna show you guys a video that uh, the coroner posted on Instagram, but it's way too graphic because it's like a heart actually beating in the chest. Oh my! Hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what happened to that that picture, but just seeing the heart moving like that freaked me out. Like a boob of some kind. You know know when a boob moves? That's what it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen lots of anime. Yes, I know what happens when a boob moves. Oh yeah, like that. It's like that. One more fan, fan, uh, fan art moment. There you go. Ooh. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Hannah Stagg, oh, alternate universe. Nice. Oh, were there pens or oh, pens? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> were there like uh, satyr, uh, satyrs, satyrs? Um, yes and no. Uh, well, are they fake deer men? but they are actually supposed to be. Yeah, they're like, supposed to be like stag. Stag men, I guess. <laughs> so like centaurs? <laughs> I guess so, yeah, but they only have two legs. Oh, yeah, what is that called? Uh, that's the satyrs. Like yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I think what it actually is called, it's actually called Hannah Stag. Alternate universe. Oh, 
Ah. And so there's this really famous artist. I think that is her, her art right there. She's French. Um, it's probably one of the biggest, one of the biggest alternate universe stories next to Space Dogs out there. And I just remember <laughs> I was reading it. Space Dogs. <laughs> Can you ever explain that now? Yeah. Okay. I'll finish this slide. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Hannah Stagg is basically, yeah, it's like they still almost keep the same character canon. Uh, they still give Hannibal the background mm -hmm. with his sister. It's actually really cute. It's a really, and it's all drawn. It's like a comic. Uh -huh. So it's not even really written. That's why I love it. And it's painfully like one page slid out. <laughs> I've been like watching it for a year. <laughs> and finally it concluded. I was like, yay. So anyway, uh, Space Dogs is the combination. Like I said, remember they would take uh, Mass and uh, Hughes characters oh, from other yeah. films. Okay. Uh, Space Dogs is uh, Mass's character from Charlie Killed Charlie Countryman or something. And Hughes' character Adam from Adam where he plays an autistic, ah. uh, not autistic, uh, Asperger's, mm -hmm. and he combines the two of them together. <laughs> so space is from Adam's character, who is into space, everything, everything, uh, uh, astronomy. No, not astronomy. Oh. Yeah, no, astronomy. Mm -hmm. no, I, 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 don't, I don't want to say astrology, astronomy. Anyway, <laughs> and Mass is famous in his, his character, where he's like, uh, printed uh, shirts and sometimes they have dogs on them. So space dogs. <laughs> I didn't name it. I didn't name it. Anyway, going on. I just sound crazy. <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted to point out to you guys. Uh, Will is talking to Abigail and she says murder is the most uh, is the ugliest thing in the world. And mm. he says one of the ugly, ugliest things in the world. So mm. he's changed his opinion. Is he changing? I think so. Because like, mm -hmm. so. he, he says, that, yeah, yeah, because he said he felt first he felt terrified and then he felt powerful. He liked it, yeah. So it felt yeah, good. Yeah, not like Hannibal told him that it felt powerful, or was it like someone yeah. else? Yeah, he's turning into the Lestat now. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 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 I just love your thinking face. <laughs> Like, no, I squinches one eye. <laughs> like a pirate. <laughs> I do like that scene between uh, Will and Abigail. Will and Abigail, because he holds her hand. You know, it's like it's really. But sweet. she doesn't yeah. reciprocate, though. Well, she looks at it weird, but then she just kind of like. Well, she doesn't like pull away or anything. Her so. hands are like salad tongs in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> just goes with it. I thought it was cute. Um, but that goes to my next point. Um, I think Abigail is using Will either at the urging of Hannibal or because of her own needs. Probably her um, own needs in the beginning, because yeah. then we find out later, you know. Because <laughs> Abigail must realize that Will is protecting, Will protecting her furthers the narrative that she's a victim to. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, Abigail, on to you. Leave <laughs> <laughs> alone. Well, with that whole ending scene, right? He fi finally figures out, like, holy crap. <laughs> You're like, in on it. You were in on it. <laughs> Again, another Simpson shot. You really are a vampire. Just <laughs> <laughs> pointing at her, poking her in the nose. But I really love it because it means the the stakes are raised and yeah. you know, Will is catching on and Hannibal has to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, his face. Yeah. And it's seen in his breath. Like. Yeah, that like uh, I have that in here. Seeing Hannibal squirm when Will says he's getting closer to the copycat made me happy because that was the only time you ever see him in fear. Like, yeah, not, like, and that's not even that much fear. It was just like, oh crap, something's. It made me nervous. Yeah, it's like when I drop my phone and you think the phone is cracked and you lift it up and you're like, oh wait, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, um, just trying to justify Hannibal's behavior in ways that I can understand is what I do. Is that that's why I mentioned before we started recording that I see Hannibal as coffee. Like I don't like coffee, 
But he, like, I like the smell of coffee. But it tastes like acid in my mouth. So mm. that's always the animal. <laughs> he's alluring, but he's terrible. I love coffee. <laughs> I know you do. As I drink my coffee, yeah. But I think, like, uh, I actually like uh, iced coffee with uh, vanilla shots. <laughs> so, uh, what is it? It's like, it's like, yeah, your, like, your hair was, like, kind of, like, stylishly messy at that moment. And then you went like this, and it went all straight up. So well, it's like, hot in this room. <laughs> I like to play with my hair when uh, I'm thinking and trying to make a point. <laughs> and I just looked so at her and she like, looked crazy. The but more anyway. brilliant she is, the more higher her hair goes. Yeah. I like a doctor. That's who I am, but Dr. Who. Like anime <laughs> But uh, I like iced coffee uh, with vanilla shot in it from Tim's. And uh, there's a, with cream in it too. So I think iced coffee is like Galen Urso from Rogue One for me. Whereas regular coffee is Hannibal. So if we were to mention Hannibal as coffees, that would be like <laughs> Maz Mickelson as coffees. Yeah, that's how I'd put it. It's like Galen Urso still evil, somewhat evil choices, but he's okay. Still bitter but sweet. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> cool. he made bad choices. Refreshing, but for good reasons. <laughs> it's like, does the end justify the means? Yes. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. So. Uh, I kind of followed you in there. I was just letting then. you go, so you're going to make a point. <laughs> but I'm like, I, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, Hannibal is coffee. But I like that uh, one moment when Hannibal plays that recording of Will to, to Jack. I totally forgot about that part. And I just love how that recording is totally taken out of context. It was so funny because I was watching it, in, I was watching the episode in the bedroom. Normally I'd watch it on my laptop in the kitchen, uh, but we had company over, so I had to go in the bedroom and watch it. And I said that really loud when I was watching it. That's taken out of context. <laughs> and then I could hear people in the other room. What? Like that thing. Just get get all emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out of context. What did you say in that in that recording? Like um, I feel like I killed her myself. Or yeah. Myself? It's like how do you feel about that? I feel guilty. You feel responsible for her death, and it's like, oh shit, what's in the line? I should have heard Yeah, I line. feel like I killed her. It's something like that. So it's taken out of context, because I think he continues to go on to say, like, or Hannibal reassures him, it's like, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. It's like, I know, but I feel like it, because he's saying, he's trying to say he empathizes with the killers, which is why he feels that guilt, mm-hmm. residual guilt. So, like, it was just, it pissed me off because it was taken out of context. And I'm just like, Hannibal, you stick. I know, you're giving Will, SOB. That's what I wrote in my notes, by the way. Yeah, SOB. I'm hurting my notes. I'm trying to find the exact quote because it's going to bother me if I don't look it up. Um, But, let's see. um, I like how Hannibal's seat at Bedelia's cuts almost perfectly with his seat in the office. Like, there's a scene where he sits down as he finishes his conversation with Bedelia, and it cuts to him in the office, and he's almost exactly in the same spot. Like, it was almost a perfect match cut. I was like, ooh. (laughs) That's me getting all technical again. I'm like, ooh, I see what they're doing. Like, he's actually in charge of Bedelia's sessions. I get you, Brian Fuller. I was just, like, freaking out the whole time, because I'm like... Now, would that be a nod to Brian Fuller, or would that be a nod to a cinematographer? Cinematographer, I'm sorry, my man. (laughs) Well, no, I'm just curious, because you would storyboard it out first, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm just like... Like, who's that a knock to? I'm curious. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm trying to find this. Uh, it's not on here. But, okay, let's see who the cinematographer was for this episode. Because we need a shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, full episode cast. Oh, sorry. Episode cast and crew. We're film uh, people, so naturally we're going to be like, we give where credit's due. Cinematography by James Hawkinson, director of photography. Nice. Oh, Thanks, James, because yeah. we know you're listening. <laughs> He's listening to this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's our biggest fans. 
sitting in his room all happy. Like, oh. Brought <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Well, um, that's one thing I don't like about the film business. Um, you always credit the director. But I'm like, the director doesn't make the choices that, like, sometimes that, like, because I work closely with Celeste's uh, brother-in-law, who is my director of photography. And choices that he makes that affect the end product, I always get credit for as a director, which bothers me because I'm like, uh, one time I was in a class presenting a film, my film, and they're like, okay, what's that choice he made where the cameras kind of ask you a bit, and it, does it represent the character's like inner turmoil at the loss of her sister? I'm like, no, I just told Luther to make that shot look like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's still direction. <laughs> yeah. But was... How they interpret it for you is like one thing, like that's how they bring their own creativeness mm -hmm. to the, the thing, that's why you why in film you surround yourself with good people yeah. because they'll make you look good however they don't they yeah. can't do what you want if you don't tell them so yeah. that's still accurate i know i used to feel that way too like i feel like a weird uh it's a thing that actually is very common with uh female professionals we feel like frauds we feel like we don't deserve the credit we do but that's just a weird conditioning we get and it's like, no, like, that's how I felt with my recent short film, Headdress. I was like, no, nah, it's the... Which is oh, premiering at Hot Dogs yes, next it month. Is. Yeah, so if Thank you. So, yeah, if you're in Toronto next month for Come Hot say Dogs... say hi. Yeah. <laughs> I it'll be playing uh, before another film uh, at the Tip Light Box. So, go look at the website for times because I can't remember right now. Anyway, uh, so, like, uh, our, my cinematographer, Ryan Herbman, did some really great shots... So I thought that was like awesome, but I had to tell him what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So, and then of course uh, Craig uh, Guybosch did my editing, and he really helped me like finesse the story because I was like, no, I want to talk about this and this and this. And he's like, well, he's like, well, let's narrow it down a little because he's like, you don't get a chance to expand on any of those thoughts. So now it looks really fractured a little bit. So he's like, he's like, let's just narrow on, keep it on this. So I was like, okay. So he showed me a few cuts of that and. Uh, he says he's, I'm like one of the first directors that actually stayed in the editing suite with him the whole time. He says most, <laughs> most directors fall asleep. <laughs> As do I yeah. do too. I hate, hate post-production. Or they come back later and see what he's done. Mm -hmm. I was like one of the few that stayed there the whole time. Well, I think it's a valuable experience. It yeah. really is. Well, because like, uh, he would show me every little while after he's done stuff. and So I think directors do have that rightful credit in most cases because they have to project that vision to somebody. And so everybody will bring their goods and stuff and be like, okay, so how's that? I'd be like, yeah. So it is validated. <laughs> a director position is validated. There's a yeah. reason why you get all the credit. But yes, at the very, that's why you also have credits at the end of a thing. You know, yeah. you show people who, what they did. And that's a vacuum in the back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's keep going anyway because yeah. we're, we're on a roll. Yeah, we're almost near the end. Okay. Because I want to talk about, you mentioned Hannibal's motives and I wrote a little thing. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> My favorite thing this episode, Freddie Smart Girls talk to Jack, mm. I think it was. Yes. I was, as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, you guys are going to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, it stresses <laughs> that Abigail is a pawn in Hannibal's game rather than a queen. I really love that because it, it reminded me of that Gone Girl thing about cool girls. It's like, because uh, I, bl I believe Freddie thinks that Abigail thinks she's in control of what's going on when she's obviously not. And I think Freddie is... Like, if she had gone down a different path in life, she would have been a serial killer, too. But I really, like, when I first heard that, I was like, yes, that is so cool! Like, <laughs> that's how I feel about Abigail right now. So, it's just, like, one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. It's so true, though. Yeah. Because it's, you like, really think about it. I'm nodding, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> it's, like, a, not a visual show. But <laughs> that was just, like, oh, it was one of my favorite things. I just love that part. I'm like, oh. Well, I thought it was a nod to her. Like, I, I really like that. Um, 
Jack actually asked asked her opinion on it. Because mm-hmm. in a weird way, even though she's a big old bitch, uh, she's <laughs> a tabloid reporter too. She's so. smart, you yeah. know, uh, an admitted psychopath on, on her own merits. And because she hangs around with other fellow psychopaths, she writes to she writes for them mm-hmm. <laughs> on her website. So she's very familiar already with manipulative behavior what it looks like, and if you do it good, and when you don't do it so good. Well, and she's so, actually as good or better than Will in terms of her investigative properties, too, because she makes her living at it. Yeah, like, I think like so, it, yeah. yeah. And she is um, what Will could be if Will didn't take it personally. Mm, if he didn't have the empathetic disorder yeah. so much, yeah. I think he could like because uh, Will uh, Will as Freddy is basically his character in Basic Instinct 2, because I think he's a he's an investigative journalist and not on a tabloid reporter. The only thing I know about it is, uh, what's his face, David Morrissey's in it, and he's naked in it, and it's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, David Morrissey. Anyway, uh, so my favorite, one of my other favorite things in this episode is Hannibal's change in his face from telling Jack he's sorry about not telling, uh, Hannibal, or not telling Jack about the, uh the taken out of context recording mm. to Jack's departure when his face just like, okay, I'm done. Like, yeah, he's just like, I'm so sorry. And then he's like, okay, he's gone. <laughs> and I'm just like, Whoa, yeah. that was freaky. You yeah. He went straight from like show human face of sadness and regret. Door closes. Door closes. Switch back to calculating. Shit. Now what do I got to do next? <laughs> <laughs> like, so but like he makes that same time. face too when he's talking to Abigail in the, in her house. I love that the way they chose to shoot them to shoot them uh, by the kitchen window with that pool of natural light coming from in. So what, half his face is shadowed, and you can see just a glint of his eye, whereas the other half, it's shadowed, you see yeah. the light, and it's uh, it's actually blown out a little. So it, it almost it's so weird. So you can see this weird mix of calculation. You can see Mass doing his scary killer thing, and it's just <laughs> I remember looking at it going like, that's a great shot. Cause I'm scared. <laughs> Rarely am I scared in this show. Like, sure, Mass looks looks freaky and whatever, and he's doing his thing now. But that was probably with this rewatch. I was finally like, that's scary. And Ab- Abigail looking scared. I'm like, yeah, good job. <laughs> she probably can't run away either. Oh, okay. So I wanted to get to uh, quickly to today's true crime oh, yes, segment. Yes. <laughs> uh, so rather than the true crime case, this is more of a paranormal type aspect that I got into while I was researching the oxygen Ooh. chambers. So this week we're talking about spontaneous human combustion. Which, as I told JJ earlier, uh, Unsolved Mysteries made me believe that this was going to be a bigger problem in <laughs> adulthood. Because like, everybody seemed to be bursting into flames. Uh, but spontaneous combustion occurs when an object bursts into flame from a chemical reaction within, apparently without being ignited by an external heat source. In spontaneous human combustion, the victim is almost completely consumed, usually inside his or her home. Coroners at the scene have sometimes noted the sweet, smoky smell in the room, which kind of probably smells like barbecue, <laughs> I guess. Sweet, smoky smell. Sweet and sour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a sage, uh, burnt sage in this room we're in, so I'm like, oh man, that's, that, that's going to remind me of it now. Thanks a lot, tape. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, although the torso and head are charred beyond recognition, the hands, feet, and or part of the legs may be unburnt. If you look up pictures of spontaneous human combustion, you can see that these bodies will still have their shoes on while the rest of their bodies are ash. Okay. It is also seen in these cases that the fire does not spread past the body. 
The topic received coverage in the British Medical Journal in 1938. An article by L.R. Perry cited an 1823 published book, Medical Jurisprudence, which stated that commonalities among recorded cases of spontaneous human combustion include the following. The victims are chronic alcoholics. They are usually elderly females. The body has not burned spontaneously, but some lighted substance has come into contact with it. The hands and feet usually fall off. The fire has caused very little damage to combustible things in contact with the body. The combustion of the body has left a residue of greasy and fetid ashes, very offensive in order. In odor. The first known account of spontaneous human combustion came from the Danish and anonymous, anonymous, sorry words are terrible for me, <laughs> Thomas Bartholian in 1663, who described how a woman in Paris went up in ashes and smoke while she was sleeping. The straw mattress on which she slept was unmarred by the fire. Not all spontaneous human combustion victims burst into flames. Some develop strange burns on their body which have no obvious source, or smoke comes from their body when no fire is present. And not every person dies. A small percentage of people have actually survived what has been called their spontaneous combustion. Okay, there are several theories on why it happens. One of the most popular proposes that the fire is sparked when, a meth when methane, a flammable gas produced when pellets decompose, builds up in the intestines and is ignited by enzymes, proteins in the body that act as catalysts to induce and speed up chemical reactions. Yet most victims of spontaneous human combustion suffer greater damage to the outside of their body than to their internal organs, which seems to go against that theory. Other theories speculate that the fire begins as a result of buildup of static electricity, so like George's case, mm. uh, inside the body, or from an external geomagnetic force exerted on the body. A self-proclaimed expert on spontaneous human combustion, Larry Arnold, has suggested that the phenomenon is the work of a new subatomic particle called a pyrotron, which he says interacts with cells to create a mini explosion. But no scientific evidence proves the existence of this particle. A possible explanation is the wick effect, which proposes that the body, when lit by a cigarette, smoldering ember, or other heat source, acts much like an inside-out candle. A candle is composed of a wick on the inside surrounded by a wax made of flammable fatty acids. The wax ignites the wick and keeps it burning. In the human body, the body fat, body fat acts as the flammable substance, and the victim's clothing or hair acts as the wick. As the fat melts from the heat, it soaks into the clothing and acts as a wax-like substance to keep the wick burning slowly. Scientists say this is why victims' bodies are destroyed, yet their surroundings are barely burned. And what about the images of burnt body with feet or hands left intact? The answer to that question may have something to do with the temperature gradient, the idea that the top of a seated person is hotter than the bottom. This is basically the same phenomenon that occurs when you hold a match with a flame at the bottom. The flame will often go out without provocation because the bottom of the match is cooler than the top. Uh, the validity of spontaneous human combustion is viewed with skepticism by the scientific community, but some objects have been scientifically proven to burst into flames without an outside heat source. One example is a pile of oily rags stored together in an open container, such as a bucket. As oxygen from the air hits the rags, it can slowly raise the internal temperature high enough to ignite the flammable oil. Piles of hay or straw have also been known to spontaneously combust. When they decompose, the bacteria inside them that orchestrate the decomposition process can generate enough heat to kindle a spark. Also, um, 
uh, I don't know if you've seen the video, but the that whale washing up on a shore when they cut it open, the the methane that uh, was in the in the stomach of the of the rotting whale exploded because when it came into contact with the oxygen. So yeah, that's another yeah. spontaneous oh, combustion. Wow. I kind of like that last story. That kind of makes the most sense to me. Yeah, like that. It's like a. Uh, wick thing. Yeah, yeah. personally, I, it's like, I like uh, as Mythbusters say, all the perfect uh, things have to come together for it to happen. Mm -hmm. And just that's why it's so rare and it's so rare to happen. Mm -hmm. All the perfect elements have to happen and then spontaneous combustion. Mm -hmm. and it's just. But it's always a cigarette or alcohol on your breath or something else that starts it. Yeah. Because uh, there's this really good book by Joe Hill called The Fireman, which is about a plague uh, that causes. Spontaneous combustion. Uh, it's basically like the stand. It was really good. Like Joe Hill is also Stephen King's son, so that's why I got to him. But Joe Hill is a really good author on his own right too. He's pretty awesome. Hmm. But that book is really good. It's really long, uh, but awesome. I too. forgot that was a fear of mine. <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah, it was a big fear of mine too. I'm so like, I forgot about this. That's how you read work. it to me. <laughs> Well, it's like, it says there that it's mostly occurring like elderly women. Like, yeah. I mean, that kind of sucks. Like they're like. Almost, like, they're probably, like, retired, and everybody, like, died of old age, and bam. Well, they think it's probably because of how sedentary uh, older women are. Like, uh, you, you can't move to put the fire out quick enough. So that's why they think it's probably that in cases of that. Hmm. So it's, like, I, I couldn't remember exactly what they said, but... Take yourself, don't drink or smoke in your <laughs> <laughs> But back to the show. Will and Abigail in first class on the FBI's dime. <laughs> <laughs> I say that even though I'm going to uh, Montreal on Wednesday for uh, the the final cut of my film on the National Film Board's dime, so don't tell them I said that. <laughs> well, they offered that to you. That's yeah. different. When they handed shit out, you take it. <laughs> it's like that's why I go to uh, uh, film showings because there's always free food there, and I'm like, mm. uh, even though I'm like I, I have a good day job, I still love free stuff because I grew up poor. Obviously, yeah. It's like who cake. <laughs> just like shove it in my purse. No, I'm the same. I was just gonna say I don't think it actually is on the FBI's dime. I personally don't think. I personally feel like Will's like one of those people where like as he gets money, he just puts it away in the bank. Like or why would money. yeah? Why would he need to yeah, spend it so. you know on whatever except you know later when he has that fancy boat. <laughs> That's his character in um in Jane Austen book club. Because his character does that. Um, his boating? Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, he he makes a, a shit ton of money in what he does in that movie. And he doesn't spend it at all. Mm. Like, he has, like, a very minuscule... Like, he, ha he bought a house just because he's like, oh, I should have a house then. And he's like, oh, I should buy a couch just because we need one for the for the book club. Oh, I should buy this cool thing because I'm, like, a nerd and I love that sort of thing. <laughs> he is so cute in that movie. Oh, my God. Like, I was, like, so blown away. I, wa I want to watch those films with that these other films that Mass and Hugh have done, but I'm just like, it's really, I only got like 15 minutes into uh, The Hunt because <laughs> I saw it coming. intense movie, that, yeah. And like, I only watched a couple scenes of uh, Shopaholic with Hugh in there and I was like, I can't do rom-coms. <laughs> like, I can and I can't. Depends what it is. Just watch, I yeah. think you'd like Jane Austen Book Club. That's you what my sister says. She yeah. says, I think you'll like it. Because like, uh, basically, saying, uh, Jane Austen's book club, he pays the super cutest nerd you wish you could meet. Aww. And so he grows, grows up with sisters, so he's like uh, this adorable, shy guy. And he, he's in love with the lead character, but uh, she thinks uh, he's better suited for her friend who just recently broke up with her husband because mm. her husband cheated on her. 
And so she keeps trying to set them up, set them up, when he's obviously interested in her. And then they get into a big argument, and then she finally, like, I forgot to mention this part, but he's heavily into sci-fi, and it's really important to him. And so she finally reads the books he said he sh she should read. And so she goes to his house at the, in the middle of the night. And, like, he's not awake, obviously. So, like, he comes out on his bike and sees her sleeping in her car. And I'm like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> That's not stalkery at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cute. I love that okay. movie. And he's all tan and nice. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, let's see. Uh, so the big point of this episode is bringing up hunting versus fishing. So I wanted to ask you guys what you think you are, a hunter or a fisherman? <laughs> what? <laughs> so what like, did you ask <laughs> I wanted to know because I was like, <laughs> I think I'm more of a fisherman. I'm all interested in innocent and luring people in and stuff, and then I like eat you. <laughs> I guess I'm a lure. I can give you a false sense of security. Of <laughs> and the bounce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you, JJ? Do you think you're a hunter or a fisherman? I'd probably say I'm a hunter. Probably. Oh. Like, well, I'm usually, I guess it depends. <laughs> it really depends. Uh, I'd like to think, again, it's like it's a weird thing. Um, this is probably where I'm opposite from Will. I don't quite have that patience to, to, to wait, to, wait, to really, like, not wait too long. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas a hunter, you still have to wait. But usually the wait time's a little different compared to fishing. Mm -hmm. And, again, either or, you don't know what you'll get, <laughs> whether you actually get what you're hunting or fishing for. But I'd probably say I'm a hunter. Uh, but Will's getting sexy again with his panting when he's in the cabin where he's just like, you killed those girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I've got to stop taking this, like, find this arousing. It's like that scene in, um, in uh, Little Nicky where he's like, man, I'm being turned on over here. <laughs> just like freaking out. But yeah, like that was a really intense scene. Like it's not as bad as the scene from last episode where Will had the seizure, mm. but it was still pretty like, his heart, his world is being destroyed by finding out that Abigail really is like a son of a bitch. Yeah, so much so that he lost time again and he yeah. was on the plane. <laughs> that will losing time again continues to be scary because we have no idea if him putting Abigail on the antlers actually happened mm. or not. Yeah, yeah. That's so true, it's like, yeah. like maybe she's dead. Like we don't know it yet. Uh, but P.S. Uh, the Garrett Jacob Hobbs house still looks ugly, even with all the stuff out of there. I thought it was so funny because when he when she comes up the way and opens that gate from the from the porch area up into the kitchen, I was like, oh my god, my father in law has that exact same <laughs> setup with the gate at the top. They might have had pets at some at one point. Mm -hmm. I know is that's just why for they have decoration? a gate. Huh? Is it just for decoration? Probably. No, know. it's actually like a functional gate, but I think it's because uh, his daughter uh, mostly lives in the basement, and she has dogs, so that might be a way to keep mm. the dogs from going upstairs. Oh, I think okay. they have downstairs and upstairs dogs. <laughs> I, think, I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time at my father's in laws house. Because of dogs, I'm allergic. So. <laughs> but I, but yeah, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about the last scene. I made one note. When uh, Hannibal's, to Hannibal's thinking motive, he says, because uh, she asks him why. Like, why did you do what you do? And he said, I was curious what would happen. Which should be the subtitle of the show. Yeah, it's like, I was curious what you would do. I was curious what everyone would do. And it's just like, and I noticed that it is parallel to Vampire Lestat. There's a brief chapter in that book, The Vampire Lestat. I think it's the second book in the series. Um, and he talks briefly about Claudia. His reason to turn a child into a vampire, he was curious to what would happen. I know. That's his honest-ass oh answer. He was just curious what would happen. He didn't realize the repercussions of that decision, what would happen, how he would feel, and how he would be betrayed and left alone later. 
He didn't, and he didn't think he'd love her. He yeah, said, like, like he, she, he was, she was a gift for Louis yeah. initially. Yeah, he mm. like he just kind of did it on a whim, and you know, and all this stuff, and then, but he reiterates, "I have no regrets." I'm like he again, like Hannibal, I think, is the same way. He did these things, but he wouldn't say he regrets it. It's no. just because regret is kind of a human thing. Oh, now I want fan art of him wearing a hat that just says YOLO on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. his hands in the air. Like, yeah. No regrets. It probably is a picture up there. Like, um, All right, so, so, last uh, bit of the episode. I wish I could feel bad for Abigail, but. <laughs> I didn't feel bad for her at all because I think um, her uh, her what happened with Will effectively ended my sympathy for her because I think she knew that he was sick and went along with him anyway I don't know she's just as manipulated as, manipulative as everybody else so I think so like, too oh. I don't know if she knew completely what was going on but I think she's still playing the I'm an innocent I'm a victim card yeah she's even convinced with Will. herself of that yeah, yeah. Terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but like Hannibal, like telling Abigail everything, even though you know there's nothing she can do, he like knows that. Mm. And there's, and that like quote right here is like, "I'm sorry, I couldn't protect you in this life." I don't know. I felt like this. I felt very disturbed <laughs> when you said that. I felt shattered. It's like you're protecting me now. As, yeah, as he's stroking her face, yeah. and I know it was it's like, like, well, don't. <laughs> I have I no idea what's going to happen, but still. That's what I was saying. Like when I first saw that scene, he looks really scary, but it's all, he's also very contemplative. He's he's figuring out what's his next move going to be, and I'm wondering that moment. Does he see his sister in Abigail? Misha. Yeah, Misha. Like it's weird. So he's contemplating. Like now, do I kill her or don't I? And then cut the end of the episode. <laughs> You'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah, like next episode be so good. who survives and what will be left of them. Mm. You know, that's like, I don't know, I don't, but we'll see. Uh, right. So for the end of the show, what was your favorite episode, favorite and least favorite thing about this episode and why? Um, my post, my <laughs> post, well, my favorite and like my least favorite part was with Georgia because mm-hmm. I really liked Georgia as a character and I was so sad when she died and like in the worst way possible. <laughs> I'm like, no. And I like that Will was like so nice to her and he like wants to defend her and like the whole like quote of like, no, she's been misunderstood all her life and he doesn't want her death to be misunderstood either. And mm-hmm. I, just, I know, I really like that. So yeah, that's, that's my, I think, yeah, she's my like, most favorite and she, least favorite. <laughs> yeah, she's like the good Abigail, I think. Like she's hmm. like the dark, uh, the light version of the dark Abigail. I think I don't know. I'm pitting all the women against each other. I'm sorry. That's how feminist. Oh, and I also wrote here for the worst Hannibal being creepy. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say favorite and worst thing. Uh, I guess my favorite thing is I love that uh, Will's finally connecting all the dots, and it's just finally. <laughs> yeah, it's so it just feels satisfying. good. It feels like a weight off your uh, off the audience's shoulders. It's like oh, he's finally getting it. Well, most of it. <laughs> but he's getting it. <laughs> and I, I think the worst part for me is, uh, or what I didn't like, is Jack is sort of getting it, but also not. But in the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. like he's, he is following along, but his his suspicions are in the wrong place. Yeah, uh, I think um, Hannibal has a, a real good handle on him right now in mm-hmm. terms of like where he's pointing him. He's like, okay, it's well. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Will, and he's like, yeah, my wife is sick, but I'm going to go with the easiest answer because it seems most likely. Yeah. And I'm like, eh. So that's my, yeah. He's, like, starting to suspect 
accountable by going to his psychologist now. Yeah, mm. that's what I'm thinking. Like, that makes me like him more. But I'm still like, I think Hannibal still has him fully like. Mm. Not yeah. by the balls, but like very near the balls. <laughs> <laughs> like, the balls will be grabbed soon. <laughs> uh, but my favorite, favorite thing in this, this episode is how we question everything Will does now. I didn't realize how much you can trust things seen from Will's point of view anymore. And I also really, really, really liked Freddie's smart girls talk. Because I feel like sometimes that's something... Um, it's, it seems like our conversations on true crime about how we have to be aware of what we do. Hmm. Like, maybe it's because of our background as Native girls. Like, we're, we're more hyper-aware of the danger of being girls in the city. Hmm. And so I think that's, like, that, that's why it resonated with me so much. It's like, smart girls know what to do. And I'm like, yeah! Yeah, we're smart. <laughs> yeah. But my least favorite thing was Abigail. I'm happy to see her go. Like, I don't know. I won't spit on her grave, but I'll be at the funeral eating food. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, we're at the end of the show. But uh, So, as I mentioned earlier, we do have a Tumblr now. Hannibal's Horny Abachi. Jenna, uh, sorry. JJ is the only member so far. <laughs> but we keep it. Uh, no, uh, Hannibal's Fave Things followed us just now, too. So, I, let me see. Hold on. I'll give them a shout out since they followed us. Yeah, and we're also on Twitter on HHHAbachi. Mm-hmm. So please follow us on there. You can. That, that's usually where we post first when we're ready to go. Yeah, and we're on Instagram at Hannibal's Horny Hibachi, where I keep posting things. I think the Tumblr is going to be more of a of a, a mess of fan art and true crime because I was like, I I really like that part of it, and I think the, the show lends to that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what Tumblr is good for. Yeah, to like re- reblog all these like, <laughs> things <laughs> related to us. Yeah. It's like, hey, JJ, I think you'd like this thing on like uh, <laughs> on uh, birds. Like, okay. Hannibal Fangirl Things is what uh, followed us too. Second mm. follow, shout out to them. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter and Tumblr as honey underscore child or honey dash child on Tumblr. Uh, how about you, Celeste? Well, you can find me on Tumblr and Instagram at Satuma, S-A-T-U-M-W-A-H. And you can follow me on Twitter and Tumblr as JJ Neeps. And you can also follow me on Instagram as JJ Neep and Films. And our next episode will be this episode 13 of the first season. For episode 14, we're going to have a recap of season one. Just talking about, like, uh, we're, we plan to read fan fiction that we like. Uh, possibly. I want JJ to send me the most saucy. And we're oh, going to read it aloud. Like, <laughs> so if you're a fan fiction yeah, person, that's the episode. Yeah, <laughs> and so we're probably going to talk about what happened this episode, all the weird sh- uh, like shit that happened this season, and discuss more about like uh, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, well I like saying Mads, Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Nancy stuff. Um, also, uh, we wanted to see if you guys would send us questions too about the show, about like what we like, other things, like... Ooh, Q&A. Yeah, it's like... Yes, what, please, for the, not the next episode, but the following one. Yeah, please send like us for questions our for final Q&A. recap episode, either tweet us on Twitter, at our own personal ones, or on Instagram, and and, uh, like, on Twumber, Tumblr, too, we'd love to hear from email. you guys. Yeah, email. I still haven't received anything. It's sad. I will send something to yeah. myself. But, yeah, uh, what else? Um, so, yeah, uh, after episode 14, we will be taking a break for a while because, as JJ mentioned, she is going to hot dogs mm-hmm. with me. So, and we wanted to take a break just to find out where we want season two to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, we've been having a great time. I don't know about you guys, but... Up and have fun. Oh, yeah, I'm having fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, just talking about stuff to make fun of it. It's like okay, and I'm gonna go out home and watch The Hunt after we do this. I think. Yeah. yeah tell, tell me how that is. Yeah. <laughs> I know how it is, but still. Oh, but, well, okay. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.